the sermon portion uh, of a service for them to tell their life story, their testimony. I call it the Scripture and Life series from the staff, just so you can get to know them, so you can see how God's Word has been woven into their lives. And um, uh, you heard from uh, Mark Hill a couple of months ago. Has it already been two months, Mark? Almost two months. And uh, now it's uh, Tom Frazier's turn. So, Tom, come on up. Good to see you, bro. Well, let me just uh, start things off with saying I'm really excited to be up here. I uh, was born and raised in Colorado Springs, just about two hours north, south, east of here. Well... I was just in Chicago, and everything's west there, but in Colorado Springs, everything goes east. It really messes up my geography. Um, And now I have mountains around me, so I can't say, well, just head west towards the mountains. So, born and raised in Colorado Springs. uh, I've been coming up to the mountains of Colorado since I was a a wee little kid. My first experience, I, I wasn't even a year old. My parents, we were camping, as I was told, um, that summer, I was born in December, so I was like six, seven months old, and here we are in the middle of a campground up by uh, Buena Vista, and it's raining, and the water's coming in the tent. I'm bawling my eyes out, and my mom's like, oh no, what's going on? My dad's like, the tent's flooding, and my brother's all like, what's going on? Ooh, I want to play in the water, and all these fun things, and so I love the mountains. I was born and raised here, and And it's just so exciting to be up here in God's creation and God's beauty. And I mean, just looking outside, even with all the fresh snow, I uh, I texted my fiance last night and I was like, I have now seen more snow in the 24 hours I've been in Summit County than I have for the last four months. And I was like, finally, I can see some snow. So... So I'm just so excited to be here, and uh, what I'd like to do today is if you would open your Bibles to John chapter 15. Um, I'm going to talk with you. I don't necessarily say I have a life verse or a passage or or anything like that, but I, I have several passages in my life that have really spoken to me in key points and key parts of my life as, as I've gotten older and as I've gone through difficult times, as, I, as I've gone through times of celebration and Enjoy. Uh, um, I just got engaged about two, a little over two weeks ago, and um, while I was out in Chicago and everything. So, so this is just some of the things, and this is one of the verses that is a keystone in my life, and uh, and what I ex- always exhort myself to achieve. And it's something that I know I will never be able to do perfectly, and, but it's the goal, it's the standard, and it's what I shoot for every day that I wake up. Every day in ministry. So in John chapter 15, verse uh, 12 and 13, it says, My command is love. My command is this love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay his life down for his friends. And this is part of. The, the upper room discourse. This is Christ in the final hours of his life before he's taken to prison and jailed and later crucified and later rose again. It's the very final hours before he dies. And, and likewise, these are some of the most important words of Christ just because these are some of the final thoughts. And again, this is not just the first time we've heard this in the gospel series and, and, and times that Christ has said this, but he says again, he says, my command is simply this, love each other as I have loved you. 
No greater love than this let lay, lay his life down for his friends. And you think about that, and you think about what God has done and what Christ is about to do just hours later being crucified for our sake. You know, the disciples at the time, they kind of got, you know, being inconvenienced in life. They understood that being a disciple of Christ meant that we went out and we ministered to the least of these. But they didn't necessarily grasp the depth of death, of truly lay down your life, not just in a physical way of going out of your way to help someone, but in the way of laying down your life to the point of death. And he had talked about it time and time again, you know, disciples got it sometimes and then they would forget and then they'd get it another time. And, and ultimately they get to the point where, you know, Christ is reminding them once again, just hours before he dies. And in ministry, this is one of the, the most important passages for me because this is what ministry is about. It's about being inconvenienced. Not for the sake of me, but for the sake of you. It's about me saying, you know, I could go out and do this. In high school, I was studying architecture. I loved it. I was great at it. And then in high school, my senior year, uh, fall of my senior year, I was at a middle school all-nighter. And it was about 2.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. And we were at a movie theater there in the Springs. And, and we had probably about 300, 400 middle school students. We're not just talking like, oh, five or six. 400 middle school students in this movie theater. And I was a senior, and I, I walked out in the hallway, and I was talking to some of the leaders. And one of the leaders said, you know, Tom, you should do this for the rest of your life. And I said, do what for the rest of my life? Hang out at movie theaters at 2 o'clock in the morning? Granted, I was a senior in high school. It didn't click on me that what they were talking about was youth ministry. And they said, no, do ministry. You love students. You're great at talking to people. You're great at engaging people. You have a passion for it. I just started helping in our high school ministry and our middle school ministries and everything. And I was like, huh, that's a good idea. I never knew that you could do ministry for a living. What I thought a pastor was, I have no idea. But, it, but it's one of those things I'm like, I could get paid to do this? Get paid to be a kid for the rest of my life? Sign me up. I'm kidding. So, so anyway, so, but ever since then, you know, God has been continuing to place stone and marker in my life of why I've been called into youth ministry. And it's been a great and joyous experience. And my youth pastor at, at the time, he shared, about a year later, he shared this passage with me and he told me, memorize it. And like, if you know, once you get to know me, you realize, one, I have a really bad memory, courtesy of two concussions. And I'm really bad at memorizing anything. So as, as I learn your names, I'd ask for a little bit of grace because it's going to take a while for me. Uh, but anyway, and, and he said, memorize this. Memorize John 15, 1 through 17. I said, okay, I'll try. He's like, no, you're not going to try. You're going to do it. And my, my youth pastor, what, he was probably about 6'2 and weighed in at about 320 pounds. He played defensive line in college. He was no small guy. And he had been known to throw me around like a little rag doll from time to time. So when he's like, no, you're going to do it, I was like, okay, I'll do that. And so, so we began to memorize the verses, and we began to talk about it. 
And he said, Tom, you have to understand, this is our call in ministry. Is to love one another as Christ has loved us. That there's no greater love that this world can offer except the love of Christ. The love of laying down our lives for someone else. That that love in itself revolutionizes the world and the way that we interact with people. Because as you can study in the rest of this passage and everything, just earlier it says, you know, as a father has loved me, so I have loved you now. Remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my father's command and remained in his love. And the command that Christ just gave us is to love one another. That's it. And we began to dialogue and talk about this. And he said, Tom, in ministry, there will be times that you don't want to do what you're going to have to do. There's times that, that you're going to be dealing with students in the dirtiness of life. Just a couple of years ago, about a year and a half, two years ago, I had to deal with a, a suicide of a student. Not in our ministry, but it was at a school that, that most of the students at that school came to our church. And we had to deal and work through that. One of the darkest hours, or some of the darkest hours that some of the students will ever go through in life. And he said, Tom, again, this is even before, our, this is when I was a freshman in college. He, this is what it's about. And if you can't learn to lay your life down for you, you'll never be able to lay your life down for other people. If you're not willing to let go of who you are, to be able to let go of your dreams, your visions, your philosophies, you'll never be able to love someone more than you love yourself. And as I've talked about, I just got engaged. And most of you are probably married. So most of you, I will be coming and asking you questions about, uh, hey, I did something stupid, how do I fix it? Um, I've already learned that line. And if you talk to my fiance, she, she'll tell you. I, I do things wrong all the time. But, but, it's, but it's that, you know, coming and just being humble and, and loving people more than you love yourself. And when God gave me that passage and we talked about it, it's, it's always been a theme of my life. And it's always that goal. I will never be able to love everyone perfectly. I know that. But Vince Lombardi, I'm also a Packers fan, so I'm just going to throw that out now. Yeah, yeah, there we go. I'm a Packers fan. But Vince Lombardi, one of the greatest coaches in NFL history, had this quote. And I found out about it about a month and a half ago. And as soon as I'm able to decorate my office and everything, it's going up on the wall. He says, we'll pursue perfection only to achieve excellence. He knew that perfection is unattainable. But he understood that if we seek out perfection, we achieve excellence. And in that, it's the same way that I have determined in my life to try to attempt to perfectly love everyone more than myself. So even though I can't do that, I hope to say by the end of my life that I did it with excellence. And so that's one of the passages that's meant a lot, of, a lot to me. And Mark's going to come up here and we're going to just have a little Q&A here. And so, yeah, so and I hope right. you enjoy that.
So we thought we'd change it up a little bit, and uh, you know, I'm going to interview Tom. So you're now watching the Oprah Show, and I'll be Oprah. Thank you for joining us today. But honestly, as we were have been engaging in this entire process, uh, Brian, it, actually, this a lot of this started from California for me, and uh, in this process of of learning to get to know each other and and work together, I've had a great time been very encouraging for me to link hearts. So there's some questions that Tom and I put together to say, well, this may be some things that you would like some answers to as parents, as as adults who are post-parent, and maybe to get to know what is our youth director really about. So first of all, the most important question, skier or snowboarder? I'm a snowboarder. <laughs> snowboarder. Now, you have a great snowboard story. Tell us just a, a second of that. Okay, so actually I have a couple. I didn't even tell Mark one of them. Uh, well, as I said, I have, I've had two concussions. Well, my second concussion was... Oh, I think it'll be six years ago this tax day. He can't remember, of course. I can't. Um, anyway, so I was at Breckenridge, of all places, and uh, I hit two rollers in the little train park. I hit the first one fine. Hit the second one, caught about 10 feet of air, and I started doing the Superman. Rolling the windows. <laughs> and uh, ended up on my face. And the next thing I remember is I'm sitting there with a snowball in my hand that's completely red in a pool of blood. Realizing that I had fractured my nose. The next thing I remember is meeting a ski patroller and him telling me, remember two things, green eggs and ham and the number three. Why those things? I don't know. Did I do two? You did two. Yeah, you did. Three, three. three. Back to the concussions, bad memory. It's it's brain damage. What can we do? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Anyway, and so so that day I, I, I was talking to Michael about this and... I don't. Rem- I can't distinguish between being in the hospital in Frisco and being in the ski villa at the ski emergency hospital thingy at the bottom of Breck. I don't know which one was which. I do remember throwing up in the back of the ambulance, and I do. <laughs> and I do remember this story. And I think this happened at Breck, but there was a girl that walked in, and this was before I met my fiance. A girl walked in uh, to the the. Ambulance, not ambulance, emergency room thingy, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and I looked over to one of my buddies, and, uh, and I said, she's really cute. Well, I meant to whisper that. Apparently, I shouted it for all to hear. <laughs> and, and so my buddy just looks at me, and he's like, you're an idiot. And I'm like, what? I would. And, and, like, everyone's just looking at me, and I'm just like, oh, yep. So, so yeah, so that's one of many ski, ski boarding, snowboarding, snowboarding whatever that's yeah. called, snurfing, yeah. snurfers. I think Dan Burnett remembers the snurfer. We've talked about that. Yeah, and so, you know, if your inner monologue fails occasionally, we'll understand why that yeah. happens, yeah. right? Okay, that's very good. Now, a little bit, you, you did mention Katie. I really would like uh, for people to hear, get a little bit more about Katie. If one of our young ladies came up to you and was wanting to know about Katie, what would you tell her? so that she would be excited and anticipated. Katie will probably be coming out here end of September time, 1st of October, right. after you guys get married and have a honeymoon. So what could we be excited about anticipating Katie coming? Right. Well, you'll actually be able to meet Katie sometime in February. She'll be fine out here for a week or two, and she'll be up here for the weekend. Um, so you guys will be able to meet her. Um, but she loves people. 
Like, I kid you not. She, she, she's friends with everyone. And so, uh, so that's one thing to really look forward to. She is sweet, caring. She will spend hours listening to you. Uh, my mom the other day, she's like, we really need to get Katie out of her shell so she talks a little bit more. And I, I told my mom, no. well, if that happens, then I can't talk as much as I do. <laughs> my mom's response was, that would be better for all of us. So, all right. so yeah, that, uh, that's a little bit about that's Katie. That's helpful insight for sure. Hey, Tom, you explained to me um, as in your first encounter, I think it's really important that your high school encounter with FCA and with all that room full of, of middle schoolers was an aha for you and the, the beginning of God wooing you into ministry. Mm-hmm. While you were in middle school, you told me that there was a, a key encounter that you had with God that was really kind of a reawakening for you mm-hmm. in your spiritual journey. Tell us a little bit about that. All right. Well, for me, I am not one of those guys that maybe this is because of two concussions. I can't tell you the day, the time, and the place that I had accepted Christ. But I can tell you that a lot of the process I've gone through, and in middle school is when I finally started realizing, oh, to be a Christian is not just to go to church on a Sunday, but it's really to live a life that is different than everything else. And and as an eighth grader in middle school, um, I got involved with an FCA at our campus and everything and started leading some things and started you know, organizing things just because I was like, well, I want to be involved. I want to lead. I want to, you know, I, I don't want to just sit on the sidelines. And and so that was really one of the first encounters I ever had with ministry, but also they're really one of the transform, transformational points of my life that led me into ministry. So Great, great. Now, in that passage in John 15, of course, there's a lot about laying down your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear some things in that. I'm not anticipating that you're actually going to die while you're here. I don't, you know, we won't anticipate that. But it does lead into the question then, what does that mean for you? As you talk about relational ministry, what does it mean for you? Uh, can you describe what that means to a typical student or a parent here? Um, I'm available. I mean, a lot of that is, I mean, yes, I have a couple of days off a week. Um, and some of those days I may not be as available as I, I would be on a, a regular office day. Uh, but I'm willing to give anyone my cell phone number. I'm willing to give anyone my email. Um, and it's just one of those things that ministry happens 24 hours a day. And, and that's something that I've understood. And I can't, because of you know something that's going on in my life, I can't just say, well, that's more important, even though this is happening to one of our students or something like that. And... And so for me, it's very much like I'm willing to stop what I'm doing to have a phone call or to go out and grab coffee. If you really want to know my story, um, first of all, I want to know everyone's story. So I would love to go out and grab coffee at either Starbucks or Red Buffalo, as I I hear is the good local place. Um, You know, I would love to go out to Starbucks, hear your story, tell you more about my story and you know, just time, take time to get to know each other. And so that's really some of the ways that, that I really lay my life down in ministry. Um, but there's always more that show up on their own, it seems like. Very good. Now, in that line then, what can we anticipate in the next several months? What are some of the priorities mm-hmm. that you anticipate using your time? Right. Uh, absolutely. Great question. I, I know Mark and I were talking a little bit yesterday even. That's one of the questions that we're getting asked is, what's happening next? Um, for us, Mark's been here a long time. I've been here for um, not even 48 hours yet. 
uh, I moved in on Friday at about 2.30. So um, for the next month at least, we really want to get, I really want to get focused in on getting to know the culture of DCC and being able to get to know you as students and families and parents and, and really be able to say, okay, who are we? What is our identity? What are our vision, our values? Not to say, hey, this is where we're going to be going in the next six months, but really to say, who are we? What do we care about? You know, it's easy to say, you know, growing in intimacy, going passionately, and I never remember the third. Caring community. I'm going to remember them. I'm never going to remember them in order, though. Um, And it's always, when I forget one, it's always a different one. Um, you know, we know those are values, but how do those show up in the li- in our lives? How do we go passionately? You know, we've got the Elks Lodge thing going this morning. That's a big part of who we are. And so finding out for myself and asking questions and, and anyone who wants to grab coffee in the next two, three weeks to tell me about who you are and kind of even what your dreams would be for either your students or maybe you're a student for yourself or maybe you, you had students in the ministry at some point. Or maybe you're just someone standing on the wayside as, as maybe a grandparent or something like that. And you say, you know, I really think your generation or the student's generation need to get this. I would love to hear that. You can email me. You can call me. You know, whatever whatever works for you works for me. Great. Thanks for being available. Now, I know one of the questions that I've been asked, and, and I would assume many would, would be interested to know, especially the students, what is your personal devotional life, your walk with God? How do you experience God? How does that has that been shaping for you? Um, it's defined as ADD. Uh I do not wake up and do the same thing every day. If I did, I probably would have died from boredom a long time ago. Um, my, my devotional life is very, it's very grounded in the fact that I always make time for Christ every day of my life. Some days, like yesterday, I was sitting in the youth room. Just, I spent probably an hour and a half just praying and asking God for guidance. And that was it. And other days, it looks like me going through the book of Romans, verse by verse, word by word, digging up as much as I can and taking out as much as I can and really being fed by Scripture. And sometimes it's going through a a book that is about uh, theology or spiritual disciplines or Christian life, you know. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, it looks at various numerous things. Sometimes it's just listening to music and enjoying the presence of God in a worship filled atmosphere, you know, but it really, I'm not one of those guys, Mark and I told this, I can't go through the Bible in a year. Um, I can't sit still that long or more or less remember where I was yesterday, even if I write it down. So it's very sporadic, but I love spending time with Christ every day, and and it really looks different. And I will always encourage people, develop the habit first of getting in the Word every day, and then figure out what you need to do afterwards to really maintain that habit, to adjust it, to make sure that you're always being filled up every day. Great. That's helpful. Uh, now, tell us a little bit. I know from our discussion and from the process that the great people on the search committee went through, you have some international missions and outreach mm-hmm. experience. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, yeah, I, I've gone to Mexico twice. Um, first time I was a freshman in high school. Second time I was a 
sophomore in college. Um, and then recently, well, recently as in four years ago, I spent two weeks in the Czech Republic. And, uh, and so I love going overseas. I think it's a great way for us to lay our lives down as Americans to go out to another place and do something that other people can't do. And what we did in the Czech Republic is uh, we went and led English um, in high schools. We went and did something that people in the Czech Republic can't do, and that's speak English as a native speaker. We have our own idioms and phrases, you know, like kick the bucket, you know, things like that, that you say there, they're like, why would I go kick a bucket? You're like, oh, you're not American, you don't understand that. You know, we go there and you have conversations with Czech students, and it's just one of those things that's a great way to open up conversation, open the doors, um, and do something that they can't do, and it's just taking us out of our comfort zone, and we're doing it for them and not for ourselves. Great. Now, we also know that you grew up here in Colorado, which is, is a great connection point to the culture. But the, the culture here in Summit County is different from the culture in Colorado Springs, mm-hmm. as you know. Um, maybe it's been part of your mission experience. I don't know. But can you tell us a little bit about how familiar you are with the mountain student mm-hmm. culture? Well, you know, that's I can't say that I know every in and out of the culture up here. Obviously, a lot of that comes from living here, and it's something that I'm really excited to learn about. But one thing that I'm really excited about is I know that the, the mountain culture is two things that I love. It's laid back, and it's relational. And first, I mean, I just asked Mark earlier, I was like, what I'm wearing, is that okay? And that was after Michael told me that when I'm speaking uh, – uh, shirt and tie are required, and uh, so yeah, thanks, Michael. Um, and I was like, "Well, too bad, my stuff is still packed in my suitcase from uh, Chicago." Which, uh, but yeah, you know, and I'm looking forward to in learning that. And you know, that's something I'm going to be learning from you guys, as far as even students, from adults, from people that have been here, like Kathy, who's been in Summit County for at least 29 years. You know, you guys really know the culture. I'm just a guy who moved here 24, 48 hours ago. So, right. Very so, yeah. good. Now, how many of you threw your tie out at the tunnel and, and are part of that? There's a stack. There's like hundreds of ties up at the top of the tunnel. And so, thankfully, yeah, you do, you're dressed fine. You're doing a fine job. Um, just another question. Oh, so there definitely is a, a critical need in connecting students with adults mm-hmm. in ministry. Uh, tell us about how you envision and how you have experienced maybe some of engaging adults with students in ministry. Absolutely. This happens two ways. Uh, wow, I'm not used to the altitude yet. Even though I live at 6,700 feet in Colorado Springs, I'm still like, <sighs> Okay, um, this happens two ways. One way is... I know some of the best ways to get adults influencing youth ministry is for me personally to go out and find, besides Mark and Brian and the leadership of the church, to go out and find a couple of adults that are going to pour into my life. I mean, Katie and I are getting in, get, uh, getting married um, in about 257 days or 58 days. I'm not sure the exact day. That's how many shopping days you have left, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're excited about that, but I, I was talking to Mark. I, it's not a matter of if we have hard times, it's a matter of when. And going to people and saying, hey, what would you do in this situation helps us equip, equip the future generation because now we're learning some of those good habits and those are playing out in our lives. But, it, but also, I love seeing anyone, any adult, 
And don't feel like because you're this kind of adult, you can't do youth ministry. Any adult can do youth ministry as long as you're willing to give them your time. And whether that's taking people and skiing with them, snowboarding with them on the mountains, going and grabbing coffee, showing up for Sunday school and church services on Sunday morning, and just being able to say, hey, I heard you had a math test. How'd that go? Students really appreciate that and really enjoy that conversation and that relationship. And then those same students come back in five, six years and say, hey, guess what? I'm getting married. You know, I'd love for you to come to the wedding. And you're like, what? Okay. You know, and it, and it catches you off guard because here, you know, we think we need to be this amazing relational person or we have to be cool or all those words we can use. But you just have to give them time and be willing to sit down and lay your life down in a lot of ways for them. And, and you will build a relationship with students for years to come. That's great. Uh, just a little more insight then for maybe a couple of influence pieces. First of all, tell us what kind of music is on your iPhone. And second of all, tell us, yeah, exactly. That will be interesting. Won't it? And tell us a book or two maybe that, along the way that have really influenced you. Um, well, I'll start with the books because that's an easier answer. Um, the, the books that have really recently really influenced me, I read a book over the summer that's called a, Don't Call It a Comeback, Old Faith for a New Day. And it's a, a book of about 25, 20, 25 essays that have been compiled together. And it's all about the evangelical faith. The first couple of chapters are all about what is an evangelical Christian. How did we start to be evangelical? What does that even mean? And, you know, it breaks it down that way. And then a couple more chapters, about 10 chapters worth of, okay, so what it means to be an evangelical is, well, what's our view on this? What's our view on that? What's, how does this, you know, what do we think about this? And it's things like sanctification and justification and, you know, some of those big theological terms that sometimes scare us, um, at least scare me in my dreams after college. Um, Mexico vacation, right? Sanctification, justification, Mexico vacation. You're paying for me to go to Mexico? <laughs> That's we'll what talk I just heard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then you get towards the end of the book and it says, okay, so we're an evangelical Christian. What does that mean to our lives? And it talks about things like social justice and what does it mean to do outreach and missions and, you know, local missions versus international missions, long-term versus short-term and all these different things. And you walk away that book, even though I studied theology for two years at Moody, you know, a, a great theological institution and Bible education is, you know, what they do. I read the book and I was like, wow, this, it's it's easy. It's simple. I don't have to read that big, huge Wayne Grudem systematic theology book that has more drool on it than I actually think notes. Um, uh, but it's a great book, and you know, it's something that really helped me. And it's something that I plan at some point taking our students through, just because it's so easy and simple. And it answers a lot of our questions. And it's not this high. Well, you have to have a PhD to understand, but. Okay. Oh, I, I go and work at a ski slope. Oh, this applies to my life. It's very easy. It's very simple. Um, and then some the music on my iPod. Um, I have Coldplay, Sean McDonald. Um, oh, God. I only have like seven CDs on my iPod right now. Um, and so that's it. That's, that's all you need. That's it. Well, and I have Pandora. So uh, uh, Jack Johnson, Coldplay, uh, Switchfoot. 
jars of clay. So more of the laid-back music, but I always love a little bit of rock. And you always, I mean... All, all these guys right here just dying laughing. Laid-back music. Laid-back. <laughs> Switchfoot, Coldplay, they don't, they don't hear laid-back in that. These guys are thinking Frank Sinatra's laid-back. <laughs> I, I do know how to swing dance, so so <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I've definitely do you square the, dance? No, because we have some squares in here. No. We do have some square pegs that we would like to put in the round holes. But anyways, okay. So that's cool, though. Any other music comes right at the top of the head? Oh uh, no, nope. <clears throat> no. Okay. Never ask me to sing or participate in worship. <laughs> um, you will leave this faster than uh, eighteen inches on a powder day. I mean. Uh, <laughs> Very good. Okay, last thing. If you could be any kind of vegetable, what kind of vegetable would you be? I don't... What kind of question is that? <laughs> if you were in VeggieTales, who would you want to be? Bob. Bob. Bob the tomato. There you go. I mean, short and I'm around. I mean, what other choice is there? <laughs> Very fun. Well, I hope you get a sense. Brian, will you come on up? I hope you get a sense of the fact why the people who engaged in this process were so excited. There's passion. There's energy. There's a, a lot of, of uh, forward thinking. There's a whole lot of fun that's going to be had by our students and by the parents and by everyone else. But for me, in charge overarching of the family ministries, knowing that we have Annika here to really focus on children's ministry, having Tom come, and eventually Katie, who we all know will be his better half, um, having Katie come and help focus in on the middle and high school. Um, I hope that you sense, church, the, in, the investment that from Brian into the board and everyone in the leadership here has really made to say family ministry is what we're going to be about here at Dillon. It's going to define Dillon Community Church. And I am so excited that Tom is here to, for us to work together. Brian, would you come on up and uh, just have a time of prayer sure. and uh, close things up? Father, we do want to thank you for the shot in the arm that both uh, Mark and Tom are. We thank you for this new chapter in the life of our church that you are beginning. And uh, we're gr very grateful for all that you have done over really the last year to make this possible. If we could only tell the story of all the God things that we have experienced on so many different levels. We thank you and we look forward with anticipation. We go forward by faith into what you are going to do on our midst as we uh, go passionately out of our growing intimacy with you. A caring community for the county and the world sharing Christ in word and deed. So we go with that purpose now. In Jesus' name, amen. As we go, don't forget, we're going to have a fellowship. You can get to know this guy even better uh, at 11.15 or so. And then we're having this fundraiser at the Elks Lodge. If you've not been yet, please do go. Uh, this is a worthy cause. And then come back for some uh, great burritos. If you still have enough room in your stomach, if you don't, it'll be great fellowship. So thanks for coming. Have a great day.